Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighted In podcast. As if anyone is watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see I win backdrop of the week in terms of where we're recording from. The boys are in their usual positions, which is sort of unattractive box rooms, whereas I got the Amalfi Coast behind me. But, so I'm very smug. I was going to say I'm going to not be smug on this podcast, but I am. It's glorious here, Brendan. How are you? Well, I'm a bit miffed, Vanessa. I mean, I, I, I very much celebrate the cavalier spirit, the joie de vivre that sees you on the Amalfi Coast. And I have seen the trip to Italy. And I'm also conscious that actually we have a replica of the Bay of Naples just up the road from me here in Kalini. But you probably, you're not in a great space for hearing bad beat stories, but how can a man, how can a man back a horse in a handicap or 80 gets chinned on the line by a jockey who's lost his irons and that said horse then goes <sighs> on and finishes first past the post in a gallon yield stakes. I mean, what sort of a world are we living in, Vanessa? Not a world I want to live in. <laughs> Poor Brendan. Okay, not we're going to cheer you up, Brendan. We're going to work Love. on that. Turn that frown upside down. Uh, TC, how are you this morning? Yep, yeah, uh, you've got us up for an 8am recording because you're sunning it somewhere. But yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd like your, to point your out... Your backdrop's a little bit better than my usual blank wall, but yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to point out that it actually wasn't me with the 8am recording, and it's 9am where I am, but uh, no, it was Kev Blake because he's got a busy day, but actually right. it worked well for me because I'm going to a wedding. I'm going to Jonathan Kinchin's wedding. Do you guys know him? No. Yeah, uh, yeah. American Absolutely. racing guy. Uh, it's his wedding and so it's like a big sort of American racing wedding. Actually, it's very small. It's only sort of 50 people out here in the Amalfi Coast and it's today and last night. If last night was anything to go by, it's going to be a very fun wedding, Kevin Blake. Can't wait. I don't know why Brendan's so jealous. His face has never seen the sun in his life, is it? A ghost? Yeah, You'll give a ghost a good run for his money. Well, I have to be very careful, Tony. My face is my fortune. Fine lines around the eyes to the end of me. No. Are you sick, I'm actually are you? really, I'm really <laughs> topping up the tan over here. Honestly, it's glorious. Anyway, should we crack straight on? Because we do have a lot to talk about. Um, Royal Ascot, not that far away now. And we've got lots of market changes to the Royal Ascot races, courtesy of the racing at the weekend at both Haydock, a little bit of York even, but obviously mainly the Curra as well. Let's kick off by talking all things Guineas, Irish Guineas. Um, Brendan, I'm going to start with you. Paddington is now 5-2 to two for the St. James's Palace at Royal Ascot from 12-1, to one, having won the Irish 2000 Guineas. I'm presuming you were there on the day. Give us the insights. Is he on the improve or was it just the crap Guineas? Well, uh, I, I, I mean, he's definitely on, on the improve. You, you, you might have some, some concerns uh, uh, about the form, uh, granted, <laughs> but um, he, he, he still he still got a bit to learn. He missed the break. I mean, they were, they, they were right on the, the money on their tactics at the, at the weekend, the, the, the Ballydoyle crew. We'll talk, we'll talk about that later. But he, he missed the break. They'd obviously talked to Dunica and he, because I thought Proud and Regal would want to get it in, in, in other, and I, I also thought Aiden, Aiden was running them. Um, a pacemaker in Age of Kings, but they only really had to be concerned about High Royal as a pace angle. So, so they tracked him. He travelled supremely well through the race. I was a bit worried about him on the ground. I mean, he's quite a high head carriage. He does hit the ground quite hard, but um, not 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 a bother on him. Aiden mentioned after the race that the St James's Palace was the, the likely target, and that, and then. You're, you're probably getting into Giants Causeway territory in, in terms of the, the, the route to go because, I mean, he was very strong through the line. You'd think he'd have no problem with 10 furlongs if they wanted to look 
and, and, and an eclipse. Um, hi, I mean, High Royal did represent the Guinea's form uh, with some distinction, finishing third. So he's in and around where, where Chaldean is, uh, Paddington on collateral form. Uh, I mean, obviously very different conditions in, in Newmarket. It's a shame about Royal Scotsman. I mean, I, I don't know what I've backed Royal Scotsman. I got the price right anyway, shrewd. But uh, I, I mean, he said lo- he 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 said lovely. I was feeling on really good terms with myself, despite it not being run at a breakneck gallop. I mean, it wasn't a dawdle, but away they didn't go as fast as I thought they would. He settled beautifully and just ran abysmally, so that was disappointing. Mm. But, but but Paddington uh, re- representing the the Autad Angle Madrid handicap into Irish two thousand guineas, uh, it, it was pleasing. Kev, is there a bit of like? He's sort of he's not got a particularly sexy profile, Paddington. And then with High Royal being such a big price in the one thousand guineas at new uh, two thousand guineas at Newmarket, and then obviously he was the one who backed up the form, not the sexy horse in Royal Scotsman. Is are we are we underestimating Paddington at this stage? No, I don't think so. You know, look, okay. he he hadn't been winning like the, I suppose the established trials, I suppose if you will, but like he'd been winning and winning well. Like he's only been beaten once in his life and you always forgive first time. And like he had been impressive. You know, the form is standing up in the meantime. Um, and look, he, he ran out the, the the ready winner here, still looking a little bit raw in front. Um, so he has every chance to be a real good horse. Uh, you, you'd be brave to put a ceiling on him. Like tactically, it was a fascinating race. Like it could have went very wrong for Ryan early. Um, because he missed the kick from a low draw, um, it was probably fortunate that he had some that he had some pals around him <laughs> that uh, that the that the room didn't disappear in front of him um, too quickly, and he was able to establish what, what proved to be a really nice position. A um, couple of disappointments in behind, but you know that's it. You know it wasn't a shock. Um, I was I thought that more of that new market form would get flung out the window. To be honest, just because oh. heavy gra- heavy ground hard races. Um, you know, not every horse can back up from it. In fairness, most of them did over the weekend, but Royal Scotsman was the was the big one that didn't. Um, didn't, you know, it's one of those you're watching the race and you're saying, Oh, he's settling better today, but then he's, you know, not run his race, and you're saying, God, was he flat as much as anything? But um anyway, on we go. Paddington is a real nice horse, in fairness. It's setting up for a, a really good St. James's Palace stakes. So that's where they all end up going. Caldine obviously leading the charge there, but um, I was impressed with him. Um, I think okay. the Cairo, I know, was a big enough price in second, but he, he's always been held in, in, in very high regard now. He just disappointed on the, the dirt in Maidan, but this represented him getting very much getting back on track. All right. Um, very briefly, Kev, how far would Al Riffer have won by, despite everything he's just said? <laughs> Clear ground. <laughs> I thought you might say just, that. Just very quickly, uh, um, yeah. which you mentioned the St. James's Paddy Stakes. Uh, we mentioned the horse last week, Mob Tabshire. Uh, he's been given a mark of 108 since last since last week. So that rules out the Britannia. So I think he'll be a big player in the St. James's Paddy Stakes if they go there rather than the jersey. Interesting, interesting. Okay, let's move on uh, to the 1,000 guineas. To hear a Brendan writes the wrong of Newmarket and gets back to winning ways. I mean, how impressed were you with her performance and how can she step forward now? She's unchanged as a 7-4 to four, uh, seven to four for the Coronation Stakes, but that's behind the 1,000 guineas winner in Morge at 6-4, to four, who's favourite for that race. Yeah, I, I, I mean, the Betfair traders must know something I don't know because I don't see any reason to hear her won't go for the Coronation Stakes. And if she does, 
it's one on one. She goes off fab. I mean, they were six to four and nine to one in Newmarket. You have to bear that in mind. There was so little between them. Assuming Tahira goes to the coronation, she'll definitely go off fab. It, it was another one of her, well, back to her, her, her first two runs, another one of these devastating performances where she just travels supremely well and picks them up in, in jig time. There was just there was just a half a second when, when Meditate tried to come back at her. And I thought, as you know, I was a little bit concerned about her new market run that she turned her head, but but not a bit of it. She, she, she powered mm-hmm. on through the line. It's probably just... Um, a little bit of a lack of experience that got her beaten. Newmarket, as it as it turns out, she's she she is a supremely talented filly. I mean, the way she can, it, 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 it's so dangerous when you get caught on the inside there in in the Curra with horses coming back on top of you. But it's less dangerous when you have a filly that travels like her. I mean, it's like it must be like Chris Hayes must feel like he's in a computer game or something. He can just do what he <laughs> wants because she she, she she's just a, an absolute weapon to travel. I mean, again, you can crib the form. The third Kevra was 150 to one. But I find you can nearly always do that if you, if, if you really want to. You can you can look down through the form. There's no reason to suggest Meditate didn't improve on, on the better ground, as was expected, and to hear uh, put her to bed in a couple of strides. So, uh, yeah, she'll, she, she will definitely go off half in the coronation stakes if she runs it, as I assume she will. Kev, if she goes to the coronation, as all the things Brandon's just said, do you expect to, to reverse the form with Morge from that heavy ground guineas and be able to stand that form up? Just wouldn't be sure she'll run. Just oh, wouldn't be oh, sure she'll go. run. I, I just if if the ground is 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 fast, uh, I I just wouldn't be certain she'd run. I know they were they were a little bit worried about the ground coming into yesterday, and there there were I'd, I'd say there was a fair bit of um a fair bit of encouragement um dished out in the direction of the man holding the watering can um over the weekend um and I just it just would be typical Derma well dare I say to give her a small freshen up and look to come back for the likes of the matron and, and maybe on from there um based on nothing other than my own speculation now so don't be taking that to the bank or anything but it just wouldn't be a shot you know she like I was worried about her yesterday I I I wouldn't have be I would definitely have been a layer rather than a player at the price um, I thought she had a wickedly hard race at Newmarket when she wasn't cherry ripe and I would, and tactically, stall one it can be a real coffin box to to to, um, to wheel out the cliche in 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 the mm-hmm. guineas at 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 the Curra. And look, you can see why. Like she was bottled up there, and if um, if Wayne Lorden had a bit more horse under him and Dower House, it would have been much worse, you know, because he just couldn't um, keep her in the pocket for any longer than he did. Um, he was riding a hundred to one shot that just checked out. If he was riding. Uh, a better horse that could have hung in there for longer. Um, Chris Hayes would have really, uh, he would have come in a stone lighter from the sweat he would have lost, I'd say. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think she did well. She she ultimately won well. She's a very classy filly. Um, she's a double classic winner now, as well as a Moy Glare winner. She, she's the most talented filly around. I'd say I'd have no doubt about that, even though she was beaten at um, at Newmark. Did I say double classic winner? Single classic winner now. Um <laughs> And yeah, like I think she's the best filly around. Um, but I just wouldn't be surprised if they if they tap the the brake pedal a little bit with a view to later in the season. 
Um, okay. But yeah, she, she was impressive. Now she had to overcome a bit there. And look, I know a, a Philly rated 95 finished third, but something had to finish third and everything outside the front two was rated around 100, you know, so um, something something had to go in there. She ran, she ran, ran well in fairness. She was ridden, ridden chilly, followed the fav and um, picked up the pieces late on. So, so well done to Rory Cleary because she's classic place now. Okay, let's move on uh, to the Prince of Wales' stakes market at Royal Ascot because we can dissect the Tattersall's Gold Cup, which saw Luxembourg beat Bay Bridge in the finish. Vadini didn't really fire at all, uh, but there's plenty to take out of this race. And Brendan, you're talking about tactics. Luxembourg from the front at the Curra and under a pretty canny ride by Ryan Moore, who just isn't doing a huge amount wrong at the moment. Yeah, um, excuse me, they, they, they obviously... Uh looked at my pace maps for this race because there was no, there was never any any pace in the race and uh, Luxembourg has, has never made the running in his career but they 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 bit the bullet and I mean when you look at him uh, when he beat Insinuendo last year and to a degree um in the Irish champion stakes he's a horse who finds loads for pressure he doesn't always travel brilliantly through his races and Bay Bridge well, travelled notably better than him in this race, but it just could not get by him. He's a tough nut, Luxembourg. And I mean, a shout out to Aidan O'Brien, 400. I think that was his 400 group one or grade, grade one winner. And in many ways, <laughs> what what an appropriate race to do with him because for all those 400, really his life's work has been about preserving the group one status of this race, hasn't it? And what a payoff he got here. He got three of the best horses in Europe best old horses <laughs> in Europe, to, to turn up. And he still won it. Now, uh, <laughs> Vidini, uh, I know, that uh, finished with blood in his nostrils, so that would suggest he, uh, he had a legit... He, he, ca- he coughed as well. Oh, he, ca- he coughed as well. Oh, I mean, I mean, okay. That, that, that can't be his running. But perhaps in the Prince of Wales days, we'll get a similar uh, pace makeup. And if, if that's the case, they know that they can do this now with, with Luxembourg. He, he took a big step up from, from his comeback run. And uh, he's a very hardy, likable horse, and he's surely going to have a big season. I mean, yeah, for sure. If if they can keep him right, that seems to be a bit of a factor with him, that he's clearly not the most straightforward to train, just given that everything, well, A, the profile of his actual form, but also what Aidan said about him in various interviews. He's clearly mentally and physically not necessarily straightforward um we should mention above the curve here kev because of course she went over to france when the groups were over there she's now 16 to 1 for the prince of wales is from 33s no idea if she's going to go there but you can obviously fill in the gaps for us but another great bit of race planning bravo kevin off to france she goes takes another group too yeah i always take the credit when they win um yeah <laughs> that, that, that was um, that was uh that was great now and uh, change of tactics no pace in the race um she, she can be a, a little bit sleepy in the stalls, but she was good this time, got out, used her action, you know, fine, big, scopey filly, and um, was in control the whole way. Won well, career best. Um, Nashua disappointing, clearly. Um, but above the curve, yeah, really good. Was always the type you'd hope would be a better four-year-old. Um, and I'd say I'd say she could get a go um, over a mile and a half at some point during the season. Um would couldn't point you to where she'll go next now because there, there's literally options everywhere on a on a, on a on a couple of different continents. So, um, but it, it it could well be a case of keeping it keeping it simple now and going for the pretty poly. But we'll see how the cards fall. But um, yeah, she's better than ever. It was great. Now it's a little bit little bit like Luxembourg. They both ran 
in the Moors Bridge and both disappointed. But it, it was a it was a particularly slowly run race, and uh, but the curve was dropped in that day, and she she basically had no chance from from her position. So it was great to to see her bounce back and show herself to be better than ever. And um, on she goes. Yeah, she it'll take. A very good one anywhere, I'd say, to to beat her over uh, amongst the Phillies now to beat her over a mile two or a mile four this season. I think if I was, I don't know how she takes her racing, but having having looked at the Coronation Cup, when you've got West, oh, zero chance, no, zero chance. I mean, that is mm. we'll, we'll come on to it in a minute, but I mean that race is just right for something to to be supplemented and go for that race. That's a very very winnable great uh, group one. Winnable Group One. Let's raise plan as music to their ears, Kev. Um, let's talk about some two-year-olds, two-year-old performances from the week, not just the weekend, but the Coventry had a bit of a shake-up, but not at the top of the market because River Tiber and Asadna are the five-to-two joint favourites. We've given them plenty of airtime on this podcast. Nothing is shaking them from the top of the Coventry tree, but we saw the likes of Barnwell Boy, who's introduced having one on debut at Goodwood at 25-1. to Unquestionable's being introduced at 16s. Give Me the Beat Boys provided another great day for the Manan team at the Curras, now 20-1 to from 50 to 1 and Native America has been introduced at 33s. That's just a rattle through some of the two-year-old Colts performances or names to mention, Brendan. Who would you like to flag up as anything of interest in that category at this point from the week? Well, Barnwell Boy is definitely worth worth a mention because um, I'm not sure how strong the form is. Uh, It's hard to know, but it was a good one made and and the five finished second. And he was very keen through that race. I mean, when they sort of came to him, he started to wander around at the two furlong pole. Or the one furlong pole, should I say? I thought he's he's going to fall in a bit of a hole here, but not a bit of it. He ran on really strongly in one, but one by five lengths. Now he'll have to behave himself a lot better in in, in the Coventry. And I'm not sure how much he will have learned from that all the way success. And he has a sad knack, so I mean that, that, that's obviously a, a, a massive concern. But uh, clearly a horse uh, <laughs> with with pl- plenty of. Uh, ability. Give me the beat, boys. Again, he's a really hardy horse. He, 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 he was strong at the line over five and a half furlongs in Navin, strong at the line over six furlongs in the Curra, finds finds loads for, for pressure. Kind of half have the feeling that Noche Magica was the best horse in the race, just maybe in front of Fraction too soon. Very difficult uh, for Billy Lee when a horse travels as well as that. Well, I mean, you have to get to the front at some stage. I, I wouldn't blame him, but he was just worried out of it. Probably a, a, a lack of experience. If I had to guess, I'd say he'll turn out to be the best horse in the race. But give me the beat, boys. will relish the finish at, at Ascot. And at, at 20 to 1, I mean, he, he, it was a head and a head between between the first, second, and third in that race. So, so you can crib the form definitely, but at at, at twenty to one, that, that seems a reasonable price to me for one to take a punt at. Okay, one to mention. Um, we can move on talk about Elite Status, who's now two. Well, was introduced at two to one as favourite for the Norfolk Stakes. Is now seven to four, having absolutely bolted up at Sandown in the National Stakes. Looked a good performance. Been a good week for Carl Burke. We'll get to his other horses in a bit. But uh, this horse looked just a cut above, well, was clearly a cut above those horses at Sandown and looks the type, Kev, who just is far from the finished article physically as well. Yeah, like, like looks to have a bit of scope physically. Um, like this was a fair collection of two-year-olds now and he he stamped it like with a lot of authority. Um, I like Hackman that was back in third now. Elite State has just, just bought it up, didn't he? Um, yeah. Really good. <laughs> look, look, look really strong in the clock. 
Like um, I, one assumes it'll be Norfolk, and um, I'm sure um, TC's pal Wes Ward will will have a few rockets over, but uh, he might do well to come up with one that can that can deal with elite status. What a head yeah. carriage he has! He has, by the way. I don't want to. I don't want to bring up the loves the game uh, line because I'm trying to avoid oh. that. But that is just a magnificent head carriage for a horse on a second run. He loves the game. That's it. I'm never using it again. But that elite status loves the game and looks banker material in the Norfolk. This is why I don't trust trust men because Brendan, you've just lied to me. You will use that. You will use that line again, probably I, I on this probably, podcast. Even probably, I probably like, will. Do this again. <laughs> you don't trust men. Um, just as a general rule, you oh. know, it's just a, a general ruling, TC. I trust you. I trust you with my life. <laughs> um, do you have anything to say about the two-year-olds, TC, before we move on to a few other performances? Uh, not really. They're too much of a guessing okay. game for me. But I will flag up. Do you remember when I said that Ryan uh, was struggling to choose between River Tiber and Unquestionable when they were both due to make their, yes. uh, their debut in the same Navan Maiden? So. It was a little um. bit disappointing for Navin. Sorry, I always fuck <laughs> early. Sorry, um, Navin, Navin. Yeah, yeah. Hunting. Yeah. I, get my own back. I get my own back when it's the Sydney backs at Sydney backs at Huntington with you, Blake. Um, yeah, I, I just do you remember that. I mean, like I said, he, and they showed he showed a lot more there than they expected him to do first time up. So it'd be interesting if they're due to make the same. They've been the same maiden and they both rock up in the in the commentary after their impressive wins last time. So that'll be an interesting one. Okay, let's roll on to sprinters, sprinting divisions. Uh, Art Power came over from the UK and won at the Curras. Now eight to one from 14s for the Ju- Diamond Jubilee Stakes and 20 to one from 40 to one for the July Cup. And Kev, it's another case of British sprinters over, over in Ireland at the Curra. Job done. Yeah, our power loves the Curra more than Brendan Duke. Yeah, but geez, he really, really, really comes alive there. Like he's looked like an absolute star the, the three times he's come over, um, winning by winning by wide margins, whatever it is. It's not it's not a bad it. place to look to bring your best, to be honest with you. Like it'd be well up there in the top three racetracks to bring your A game to. And if he can deliver there, who's complaining? Four from yeah, four in Ireland, doesn't he? Because he won at Nice as well, didn't he? So they yeah, had him when he comes over. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just a reflection that that um, of the reality that, that Irish sprinters aren't aren't all that good. Maybe, but he he has had some um, some of his compatriots to take on when he's been over too. But um, really good. Like it, it, it's it's interesting operation King Power. Like because this horse in in a lot of operations would have would have been a stallion, you know, probably a couple of years ago. But they've kept driving on with him. They've gelded him now. Like they clearly they're all about the racing. Um, this this crew and um should look this fella's just going to continue to to represent them on Saturdays all season long, isn't he? Um this was really good. Look wasn't a, a strong renewal at all, but he cleared away and won by one by a wide margin. And she look he will keep rocking up. I'm sure he'll go to Royal Ascot to quit himself well. He um he's he's gone very well in group ones in the past. So now will, will he win one? It might be a tough ask at this stage of his career, but he, he'll continue to rock up and and go very well, I'm sure. And it's a case of vice versa, because obviously that's an English trained horse going over and taking a sprint in Ireland. But then up at Haydock, we saw an Irish trained horse come over and take the sprint over there. And of course, that went the way of Little Big Bear, who was devastating at Haydock in the group two, back down to sprinting trips, left the disappointment behind him and is now going to kick on in this division. Surely he's now six to four fab for the Commonwealth Cup from nine to two. Um, Brendan, there was, I mean, so much to like about his performance, but how good could he be over the six furlongs and as 
a sprinter? Well, we know he's capable of huge numbers uh, from from his run in the in the Phoenix Stakes, and uh, it, we can be pretty sure now that that he's trained on. Now he was running on a, a golden highway and should have been a ring tracked him for four furlongs. Although did have to come off the golden highway for the last two furlongs, but I mean it was very hard to shake the impression that the big bear. I, I mean he was gearing down himself, wasn't he? Ears pricked all the way to mm. the line. He's he, he's absolutely bolted. But shout out to should have been a ring, by the way. I mean he's another horse who just turns up every week. I don't know how many runs he's had at this stage. Uh, the, the owners must must love him and continues to to progress i mean six to six to four for for the commonwealth cup i mean it's, it, it, it seems short but he, we know he has these little big bear has these massive performances in him i mean it, it, as you said there were excuses for the kiddies i mean the ground the trip he was struck into there's three for a start so that's a that's a complete write-off otherwise he's, he's just been a highly progressive highly talented horse and he, he i mean he should have too much for them in the commonwealth cup all righty. Um, Kev, I want to come to you for Dramatised, who won the other group race up at Haydock for that man, Carl Burke. And you've always liked her. And she's let, well, she hasn't let you down a couple of times, but she, I, I still feel there's more to come from her. And this performance for me proved it because I think she is going to step forward from it. And I'm really excited now to see what she can do in the height of the summer. She is currently seven to one from 14s for the King's Stand. Equilaterals in there at 16s from 66s. And Chipset had a market move having won at York. Now 25s from 50 to one. But for me, dramatise. I know it'll be a different kettle of fish at Ascot, but I, I still feel we haven't seen the best, the very best of her yet. No, I'd be with you there. Um, look, she's entitled to still be learning. She's, she's a baby, really, in terms of um, a five furlong sprinter. And she took on. The big boys here, in a literal sense, took on the older geldings and um, and did very well. Look, got all the weight she was entitled to, but um, really pleasing performance. Um, look, whatever about Ascot, you know, you'll be looking forward to seeing her in the Nuntorp. Um, there was yes. talk she was going to run in the Nuntorp last year as a two-year-old. I was, I was baying from the stands for them to do it. So I, I love a two-year-old filly in the Nuntorp. Um, they didn't. They went six instead and got beat. But um, I'd say that that race would suit her particularly well. Um, she, this was this was great to see. Um, I think she's just a, a very good filly, a fast filly, and um, not easy to to give the the, the boys a, a beating at this stage. I know they weren't top notch um, older Gellings and Colts, but um, they're they're very good, very capable, and um, and she saw them all off. So yeah, excited about dramatized for the year ahead. Just just okay. a couple, just a couple of points here. I mean, one mm. I think you've got to mention if you're viewing the form, you've got to, you've got to mention the potential. Well bias, and it seemed to be a pretty big one at Haydock on Saturday. Um, Should we cover this now? Do you want to get stuck uh, into it, it now? It's, it's, it, yeah, it's <laughs> like I say, it's just it's one part of the going stuff. We'll, we'll leave the goings uh, until later on, but there did seem a well bias there. So maybe you'd mark down little Big Bear and dramatise a little because that, especially that dramatise race, it did look a total draw race, didn't it? And the other one, if you are backing in the King Stand. It came out uh, this morning, early on Monday morning, that that Cool and Gatter, who was the anti-post favourite for the King Stand, may not come over after a, a disappointing barrier trial. Um, I actually went and had a look on on Twitter that barrier. Trial. How great is it to actually have video, um, kind of like video proof of these barrier trials? I don't know whether they broadcast them in Ireland, but it's so refreshing to see, isn't it? Just people punters can go and have a look from themselves and think. Yeah, he was a little bit undercooked there, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, oh, they, they do. They put the two-year-old races up was, on, on, on YouTube. Yeah, was, they, they, there's some at Nace today, actually. Yeah, I'm going up there say. today. Um, they, 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 they go up on the Irish Thoroughbred Marketing website there fairly soon afterwards, and they time them and um, everything else. But uh, I know it's a little bit different to what, what you're referring to. I suppose the older horse is coming back, having a having a spin out. But um, yeah, the, 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 Irish, the, the Irish ones are interesting, too. Yeah, I, I was reading about, is it Kieran Mara? Is he... Uh, is he is he is he the trainer of Cool and Getter? Anyway, the trainer yeah. of Cool and Getter. He actually made a point. He, he and we'll, we'll come on to it in a minute. It's a related point as well. He actually made a point to say he's going to speak to the clerk of the course where the barrier trial took place to see whether his cool, his his horse was inconvenienced by the by the going on on the strip that he raced on in the barrier trial. So that's that's the level that you know they 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 actually take into that as well. It's like I said. Wow. He, you you mentioned Kira Maher there. Just to, for for uh, I'd say plenty of our viewers slash listeners won't be super familiar with the Australian scene. I just I read a piece like he's a he's a, a mad fan of this guy. Is he the um, hairbag guy? Yeah, he's cut it yeah. off since, but yeah, top class operator. But but I, but I read an article there last week. Do you know how many horses he has on his books? I as a read as a this trainer and thought it was a typo. I thought it is. It, was, it wasn't a typo. I I asked the question. He has one thousand horses on his books. Jesus, it, it is a phenomenal operation. Um, I mean, it's Chris, kind of Chris, mad Wall, Chris Waller that. would have a huge number as well, but a thousand horses on your book. I do not know how or where you would start to try and get a, yeah. a, a to, to get a system going to manage that number of horses. It's absolutely incredible. Well, apparently, is, Joseph has eleven hundred, doesn't he? yeah so so literally literally combine joseph aiden and willie mullins and kieran maher still has more horses and that is mental that quite, is quite mental. a few more yeah. <laughs> it's just bananas. Throw Gordon in there, and you'll have a similar number as well. Like just it's it's, it's a different game down under. It's just a different <laughs> game altogether. When you bet fair on racing, you get daily rewards. So any day can be a big deal. Like with our racing multiples offer. So if you like to dabble in doubles or flirt with lucky fifteens, get extra places on horse racing any day this week. Daily rewards with Betfair. Winner each way market only. Place part of each way bet. Settle at 1.5 odds. Selected UK and Ireland races. T's and C's supply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. Let's talk about Hookham and Desert Crown, please. Brigadier Gerard chat. Uh, everyone very excited to see the comeback for both Hookham, but specifically Desert Crown. And Hookham gets the better of the Derby winner in the finish. Lots of people taking plenty of positives about Desert Crown's comeback. But the team themselves seem a little bit disappointed. Uh, but of course, Hookham is great training performance by that team as well, because he's had his issues since we last saw him at Epsom. Loads to take away here. Um, but who, Brendan, are we expecting out of this race to take the biggest step forward from Sandan? Oh, I mean, what, what a question, Vanessa. I mean, had we, talked <laughs> before, had we talked before this race, I had such clarity. I rarely have clarity, but I had such clarity. It was going to be so simple. Desert Crown was going to win the Brigadier Gerard Stakes. He was going to then win the King George because Stout absolutely loves that race. He was then going to have a little, a, little, a little break and go and win the Judmont. And he was then going to go and win the Ark. And it was all going to be perfect. He was going to win the race the way he does. He was just going to travel in behind, loom up. 
and piss on them as he's done in his in his three runs. His career, his career has just been so, so satisfying, so satisfying to watch. So this was all going perfectly well until uh, about, about a furlong and a half down when he travelled up and it looked like he was going to put them to bed. And, and I was happy as Larry. And then Hookham, who had suffered interference during the race, uh, Crowley had to, had to wait for a run, ran him down. And um, my, when my jaw was on the floor. I mean, you, you mentioned Hookham, the, the serious injuries he had to overcome. Is is this just a very, already he was top class, it's just a very progressive six-year-old. Can we believe that Coronation Cup form when he put five lengths into pile driver? Um I'm really, I'm really not sure what to make of it. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that Desert Crown basically ha- hadn't run for a year, but I'm also conscious of the fact that he was stuck in a four to six and went off two to five. And as you mentioned, so so it wasn't just connections who, who were disappointed. Mm. I was a bit disappointed too, but but I can't give up on him. I, I mean, I can't. He, 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 he's a horse. He, he won his maiden in devastating style. He won the Dante in de- devastating style. He won the Derby. Already can crib the Derby for him, but he won it in devastating fashion. I'm, I'm not willing to give up on him, but I'm not ruling out the, the fact that Hookham might just be the best horse in training. Oh, wow. Okay, big statement. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because well, I'm not sure. Uh, Hookham, I'm not sure. No, Hookham has that slightly unattractive profile and you look back at his form he's this much older horse and he's come from you know he, he hasn't always been a superstar essentially mm. but then his recent form you just can't really take away from it um obviously kev they you know similar some similar comments apply to the bay bridge run in at the curra in terms of these stout horses sort of looking as though they're going to go on a winner race and then just falling short in the closing stages can we expect these older horses from that yard to maybe just tighten up that quite a bit more than maybe they were expecting oh i don't know i don't want to be everybody wants desert crown to be a top notcher but um, look, winning the Derby is one thing, a wonderful, wonderful thing. But you know, proving yourself to be a top notcher in amongst uh, the best of the olders is is another thing. And uh, not every Derby winner can be a champion, um, like a, in 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 terms of an all age champion. And look, he's had his his issues clearly. And uh, I thought Hookham beat him fair and square. Hookham, I've always liked him. Um, I know, like you say, he doesn't have the the sexy profile. You know, he ran in a ledger. Um, you know, did, didn't stay that day, I don't think, um, even though he won over that trip later in his career. But look, he's look what he did in the Coronation Cup. Like, Pile Driver is, is a very good horse, you know, well established, and he absolutely mollywhopped mm-hmm. him. Um, so I, I wouldn't like to rule out the possibility at all of him going on and winning more group ones, um, around a mile and a half. Nothing wrong with his toe here at a mile two. And, and Desert Crown, look at every chance if, if Richard could ride it again, like being really picky. He may have waited a shade longer, but I don't want to be reaching too much. You know, he's beaten by a very good horse, well clear of a very solid one in solid stone. And look, hopefully he'll tighten up from it and come back and go on. And if they rematch, like I don't think there'll be loads between them, but I, I wouldn't be climbing through barbed wire now to make excuses for Desert Crown. I just think he, he met a better one on the day. It's so interesting. There's so many um, at this time of year. I just like I want a crystal ball to look into the future to see how these races pan out. But I'm I'm with Brendan. I'm not abandoning Desert Crown at this point. And uh, maybe it's maybe it's just wishful thinking, Kev. But I still hope that he is a superstar. Um, let's roll on, shall we? Because we have plenty of topics to discuss this week, um, as always, really. But 
top of the list is the premierization of British horse racing. Uh, it got the overhaul of British horse racing, racing reform to the fixture list, got announced this week by the BHA, and it includes these premierization of certain fixtures to help promote and grow our sport. Also, Sunday evening racing, that's been pretty controversial, and adjusting the race volume to deliver a more competitive product is in there as well, which means a reduction of jumps racing, not the same applies to the flat. Um, there's plenty to take away from this. It, there's loads of information in there. TC, let's come to you first about this. Um, everyone agrees that British horse racing needs a big change up and the BHA have announced a pretty big change up or relatively big, it seems, and everyone's in uproar about it. Is it a big change up? Um, I'm no, not they're, sure. They're trying. Um, yeah, I mean, like something has to be done. So, yeah, and obviously they've been working on this for months with various committees fe uh, feeding into this decision. One thing that really struck me first off is it's like someone handing in their homework, you know, without without showing their working, isn't it? I said the maths homework. It's like there was a total absence of data analysis. So how can we have a strong opinion about it when we haven't got the full details? It's as if they went with this a month too early. They should have come out with all the data that Bookmaker have fed into them, all their other, you know, analysis. Uh, so it's, it's very difficult. I mean, I'm reading the book about Passchendaele at the the in the First World War at the moment. Even First World War generals had to, had to put in, you know, had to give in, uh, you know, complete details about how much ground they think they were going to get on the first day, how many losses can they expect, etc. And it's kind of, it's a complete lack of figures in this that, that make it difficult to kind of like analyse. I mean, there are other things as well. I mean, I, I wrote down five points. That was one of them. Um, very quickly, uh, it doesn't, the this doesn't address the, the core issue is we haven't got the, the number of horses to service the amount of races we've got. The, they're talking about cutting 20 to 25 jumps fixtures. Um, they could have got rid of three on this this Sunday. It was just ridiculous. I mean, that's that's clearly not enough. Um, and also, they've got the scope. Um, they've given tracks the scope to divide races. So, how many races in in reality we're going to lose in twenty four twenty five? Um, you know, is up in the air. Uh, what's the next one? Um, oh yeah, the Sunday night trials are, is the obvious one. Um, we shouldn't go overboard about this because it is a trial. It's six fixtures on Sunday evenings. Um, but I didn't watch it yesterday, but apparently Rafe Beckett saying the BHA were trying to get through 30 uh, Sunday night fixtures in, in the coming two years. Um, I'm not sure how that sits with uh, with me. I, I, look, I, the, the actual kind of like staffing levels and the logistical problems for trainers who uh, can't get enough uh, staff in anyway is a separate issue. But for me, the, the thing that really struck home for me was how does this sit with kind of like we're trying to get away from problem gambling? And you know, the most important part, I think, uh, uh, as a punter is actually having a guaranteed break. If you just bet solely on UK racing, at least that Sunday evening was a kind of place when you can relax. I just related the time where I didn't, you know, between about 2005 and 2010, I used to bet in running on every single rugby union and league match. And looking back now is the most unhealthiest thing in the world. I didn't literally go out because I made myself about a 10 sun chance to win if I was trading a rugby match. And at least that Sunday night is just a, a rest period for people who 
who don't want to walk away from from British racing because they thought they might miss a bet. I, I feel that was an underwhelming point. I haven't read masses about the reaction to this. Um, what else did I think? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, and another thing that struck me is it just seems like bags racing for the Sunday night. We've, we've, we all know about, we've all, we've, we've talked about on this podcast before about, you know, uh, racing behind closed doors. And, you know, there were lots of rumors going around that tracks or whether tracks were, were looking to do that. I mean, I mean, that's what Sunday night racing in winter is going to be, isn't it? It's going to be basically Greyhound bags racing, nobody there just for for, for the bookmakers. Uh, again, but if that's a good thing for the levy, you know, maybe it's well worth a trial. But again, we've got no figures to back that up. And lastly, um, and the about the congestion, um, trying to get, you know, three premier fixtures between two and four. Um, doesn't take into account Irish racing. I mean, there might still there'll still be X amount of uh, uh, afternoons on on Saturday afternoons where it's all on racing TV. There'll be five fixtures, so punters are still going to get the free English and two Irish. So it's still going to be massive congestion uh, congestion there, and tracks are going to have to get a bit you know creative. They're going to be asked to race at ten a.m. and start at four a uh, four p.m. Maybe they'll maybe they'll start at ten a.m. Uh, and, and stop at two, and then restart again at four, and put a band in the middle and stuff like that. But yeah, it it just seems my overarching thing was we haven't got enough uh, uh, information to make an informed judgment. Okay, having listened to all of that and obviously formed your own opinion, Kev, you've been someone who's been banging the drum of change in British horse racing for a very long time in regards to fixture fixtures. Um, as an overarching opinion, when you read this, did you think this was a positive step in the right direction, however big or small, or a step in the wrong direction? Um, I, I, I didn't have a big view in what, either one of those particular directions. Like okay. It's, okay. Look, what, what, what needs to happen in British racing? Less of it is, is the very quick answer there. And mm -hmm. they're, they, they are reducing a number of jumps races, what, 300 races. Um, you know, not, not nearly enough, clearly. Um, ultimate example, you know, bumper fast last the other day, like a, the, the international embarrassment. Um, but like, I just, uh, the premierization that should look at it, it, it sounds lovely. Um, and I can see the sense in it. Um, but look, you have to make the point, like ITV racing have been, have been, you know, Using a premierization system since they started, you know they picked the best racing yeah. every Saturday and they spaced it out. Um, lovely, not not enough at times. I dare say. I sometimes I'd love to see a, a few less races on ITV to give more time to breed. Um, so they're doing that anyway. That's by far the dominant audience of a Saturday. You know the number of people watching ITV would completely and utterly um, eclipse those watching the specialist racing channels. Um, and as as we know, the reason why. The likes of the, the the racing only better podcasts and every other bit of racing content out there coming up to a weekend. The reason it focuses always on the ITV races is because betting turnover in those races utterly dominates everything else going on on, on the day. So, how much benefit are you getting? Um, it might make for a nicer viewing experience on racing TV, etc. But ITV is, is the main showcase, and they already had. Yeah. What they're, they're they're moving to to get here. Um, they're going to look. I, I think it's no harm. The, the 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 bright side of this is it's no harm 
just to put some of the race courses on the back foot and just say, hey, lads, fall into line into the into the bigger picture here, because as we, we always say, the race courses probably have far too much clout in, in, in UK racing. So I can see that as a positive. Let's see how it pans mm-hmm. out. If they, if they rear up and follow through on the independent tracks, this is if they rear up and, and follow through on, on threats of legal action. Um, which I, I dare say, if I want to play devil's advocate, it might not be the, the worst thing in the world to, to have the, the current um, regulations and the relationships between the BHA and the race courses tested in law again for the first time in a couple of decades. That that would be pretty spicy stuff. Um, yeah. And and Sunday evenings, I don't know. Is this a slippery slope? Um. What what next? You know, are we going yeah. to have races at ten a.m. in the morning? You know that that's a road that Irish Greyhound Racing went down. And uh, you know the to to provide product for the bookmakers um, in, in return for a few quid. Um, you know, we, we like the biggest thing, one of the biggest things in this industry that we have is, is a major staffing problem um, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't get talked about nearly enough because it's, it's not applicable to, to the vast majority of people that, that um, have platforms to talk in the media, etc. Giant problem giant problem and things like this aren't going to make 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 it easier for anyone um look what some might say maybe we, we just need a huge overhaul to the way um to, to the working week for people to work in racing etc reforms are, are, are perhaps needed but this is going to create serious challenges for um for racing yards um yeah so look there, there's a lot to it but look the did, did it did it did it do the thing it needed to do most, i.e., chop a whole lot of racing off the calendar? Um, I don't think it went it went nearly far enough. That's the biggest no. thing, as we we don't have enough horses to service the fixture list. So cut the fixtures because because producing a whole heap more horses, finding people to to put them in training is, is a big job that's not going to happen quickly. Whereas you they could theoretically um chop a whole load of fixtures off. Um, to to help things, so I don't want to say I don't want to sound over negative. Like I think it's I, I think the thought is sound. Um, I don't think okay. the execution is as sound as it could be. But look, if they can get a good result and get everyone on board with this, maybe it will lead to further action, more in line with what I'd like to see personally in uh, the seasons ahead. Okay, let's move on um, to all things tracks and Clark of the course because. Um, Shark Hanlon has spoke about the overwatering that happened at Limerick after one of his runners was fatally injured. And then Tony has already touched upon the watering situation and the draw bias, two different things, obviously, but up at Haydock, um, well, combining issues, essentially. Sorry. But Brendan, um, what's going on over in Ireland? What happened at Limerick and what's going on with the watering can? Well, clearly the... Clark of the course has 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 aired far too much on the on the side of caution. I, I suppose there are some interesting things. I I thought the shark. I mean, it wasn't great. I'm not sure he should have been suggesting that it, it caused the injury to, to to his horse. But I thought his his point in in general was hard to argue with. It's summer jumping. So I've been in uh, Leopardstown for uh, the Dublin Racing Festival a couple of years ago, and they didn't put enough water on and the bing bong bing and the races were just decimated and it's very frustrating as 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 a punter and a race goer to hear that but that is not going to happen with summer jumping because the people who race horses during the summer they, they see it as an opportunity maybe 
there's less competition from the, from the big stables. They have a chance. And, of course, they might have a horse who needs good ground. So they're going to go there. And even if the ground was slightly quicker than they were expecting, I still don't think you'd get many non-runners that say, oh, we'll take a chance here. Now, Kevin was talking a couple of weeks ago about the differences in fatality figures be- between the UK and Ireland. And it was generally, we think, it, it was down to field size. It's absolutely fine. I don't know... I'm hoping this was 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 a one off. Although you got the sense from the shark that it, maybe there was some frustration bubbling up from previous issues. But if a clerk of the course is maintaining the ground for a summer fixture, he has to err on the side of the ground being too quick as opposed to being too soft. Now that that may. If, if something comes out and there's a directive has come down from the authorities to say, well, actually, we, we think that's too risky in, in, in terms of horses getting injured on it. And we're going to let the trainers know this and, and tell them, well, that's fine. And at least the trainers know where they stand. But you can't overwater summer jumping ground to the extent where, according to, again, I, I didn't see... Um, any uh, figures from from any going experts on this, but according to him and the trainers he talked to, there was some soft in the ground. You can't have a situation like that where it's been baking hot for three days and the sun's beating down on it. That's that's not acceptable. So I I think his his general point was a fair one. Okay, and over at Haydock TC, Mm. um, like I said, you touched upon the draw bias and bringing it back to the clerk of the course and their decisions to water. We've had issues with the Haydock going descriptions in various ways before. And was this just a clear cut case of, well, what was this? What was this case? What happened up at Haydock? Why was the draw so affected? And what happened with the watering can? Well, they haven't had any rain for ages at Haydock. And so they took the decision to start putting on 10 mil um on a daily basis i think they had about 40 to 50 mil on that week uh from right actually yeah in the in the week before it's difficult when they got a three-day meeting but anyway they clearly watered too much uh if if they let nature take its course it would have been nearly firm ground as it was some time-based experts the likes of steve high on twitter uh, who makes his living from from betting and and ground-based analysis he called the ground on Friday at uh, Haydock, he called it good to soft on times. Now, clearly, that is wow. unacceptable. Um, and and I don't know whether that's responsible for the rail bias that was there on Saturday because it was a different track and it may well have been a quick there. But it, you can't have a situation. I mean, I personally only had one fresh bet at Haydock on Saturday, which was Mimikyu. We won't go into that. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> It, it, it just you can't have a situation where punters are uh, I, you know I didn't have a bet because I didn't have a clue what the ground was going to be you know and if I wanted to press up on the max we can uh, in the two mile handicap who needs it for needs it fast ground good to soft is no good to him I just couldn't have a bet and like I said I, yeah. I'm probably going to have a word with you know the Alan Del Monte from the levy board and say and ask him if it's been discussed there because it's not acceptable. It's not just a Kirkland Tell right thing. He, he's a figure of fun and he gets bashed up a, bit, a lot. I mean, it's Michael Prosser on the uh, Market July course. You know, you know, you know, Chris Stickles at Ascot, you know, during the rule meeting, he's had it before. The clerk of the course is an incredibly hard job, especially when you've got multi-day meetings where you just have to get it right on the first day and then just muddle through for the rest of it. But you can't have a situation where 
nature would dictate it's a firm uh, will be firm ground and the clause uh, and the class goes against the bhi directive and produces good to soft ground and not only produces good to soft ground but still calls it good to firm good in places it's not on yeah i mean i think the going description is yeah i mean at the, despite what they do with the watering a like you say they're not going by the bha directive if they do overwater but also at like the very least we want the correct going description even if they put too much water on at least they have to hold their hands up and say yeah. we've we've put this amount of water on and as a result you've got good soft ground otherwise you're working um, on the form book you're working on yeah of course you're working yeah. on, on, on wrong information mm. Um, okay, let's move on. A couple of other topics to talk about briefly before we wrap up the show. One thing is all things Epsom. We've kind of been tracking this story a little bit on this show over the last few weeks in the build-up to the Betfred Derby meeting this weekend coming and the protesters and the animal rising plan of attack essentially on the Derby itself. Obviously, talks have taken place. Um, Jockey Club Racecourse have taken out a high court injunction to help the, sort of fight the protesters. I'm not sure that's actually going to make any difference given the comments that Animal Rising have been doubling down on of recently. We've also got a train strike to deal with. Attendance figures look like they might be down. Um, it's all a bit stressful coming into the Derby meeting, Kev, which we don't want. We want to be talking about the horses, the action on the track, the classics, and instead we're panicking about trains, protesters, and nobody tip tipping up. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> as I always say, ne never a dull day in the great game. And uh, it's it's not going to be a dull week at all, I'd say now. Uh, but look, I, I remain yeah. pretty concerned about Epsom. Um, look, I think yeah. the Jockey Club have played a blinder in terms of getting the injunction the way they went about it. Um, you know, it, it, Can you just animal. expand to me what, what that what that actually means? That what why is this why is this such a positive move? What does that now mean that they can do? Well, I think basically um in, in in layman's terms and hope I'm not oversimplifying it, um, without the injunction, basically the protesters would have to do something illegal to get tackled by the coppers. Whereas with the injunction in place, um, their mere presence on the track is enough to to justify the, the coppers getting a hold of them. And um, ah, okay, uh, okay. Uh, you know, because they they just by being on on the property essentially, um, they're in violation of the injunction. So it gives them it gives them greater powers. If they do get hold of them, um, they can they can be done for contempt of court um rather than just being a, a nuisance or public nuisance or conspiracy to commit public nuisance etc so um it, it does it does strengthen their hand the hope is that it will discourage some of the more um windy protesters if you will um anyone that might have been having some doubts about uh the 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 intelligence of breaking the law so publicly and the injunction might just make them stay at home or maybe confine themselves to the to the outside the property where there will be like a um inverted commas peaceful protest um so mm -hmm. look I, I think they played a blinder you know they 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 invited in animal rising for a meeting in the jockey club which would have raised eyebrows but um that meeting um and was was all recorded and the evidence that was collected in that meeting was used as a as a as a part of the um application to get the injunction so i think i think they've been really clever to be honest played a blinder look this is costing them a right few quid in extra security in the legal costs to get the injunction over the line like they're worried about this they should be but they're being proactive they're on the front foot um i suspect as a as i alluded to there last week or the week before i think the coverage 
around these protests is going to be this week is going to be very different to what we saw before the Grand National. I don't think this is going to be a debate about racing. I don't think this is going to be the likes of us having to go and defend racing. Like I think this is going to increasingly become about the protesters, about the people that are that are threatening to take these actions, what their worldview is, what their actual goals are. And one suspects just looking at the bigger picture, wider society, what they're doing, Chelsea Flower Show, Twickenham. You know, I think the public is getting really riled by, by these protests. Um, they're seen mm. as like a, pro- a proper nuisance now. Um, like the, those lads that went down the rugby field. I know you were watching the TC, like the, the, the booing and getting beer thrown at them. Like, mm. like the, 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 the tide of public opinion is heavily turning against these guys. And, yeah, um, it's almost yeah. almost good for racing, though. The more they sort of absolutely, I think there's a distinction. If you're there, I think you you hate them, and the just stop oil protesters are quite cute because um, the water carriers at Twickenham they wear orange, and so <laughs> the just stop oil people could act where they wear orange as well, obviously, and they, they actually got through. But I think yeah, there's a big massive reaction, anti reaction people are there. I mean, people watching on TV might have seen a bigger picture. But, yeah, I mean, I, I suspect the libertarians at the jockey club, racecourses, if that's not a contradiction, will, will probably be hate themselves for, for going down this route because, as we saw with the coronation, we got people wrongfully arrested uh, on quite a wide scale. But it was probably a necessary thing. And by criminalising it, you know, if you do get caught and apprehended and, and prosecuted it is a criminal it is a criminal matter and you'll get a you'll get a criminal record which is a a very very big deal but i i think epsom are just hoping that they get the they get the numbers there because the train strike's going to be massive um and i don't think the figures have come out i saw some figures that for the york dante meeting and the york you couldn't get a better track in terms of value uh and value for money uh, and numbers I've seen suggest that their, their attendance figures were down 80, 18%, 18%, on pre-COVID levels in 2019. I'm not sure those figures have been released and no doubt they'll be disputed, but I've seen some detailed figures and you know, I hope Epsom gets a big enough crowd, but, you know, I think Epsom is, the Jockey Club got a massive challenge this week and, and hopefully everything goes without, uh, goes without uh, too much thing and, and we get some decent crowds there. Right. Okay. Before we finish up, just a quick mention, Brendan, to Ammo Racing. Kia Jorobkin mm. is upset with Tattersalls. Um, this is over the charging of admin fees in relation to horses yeah. that he's brought. He claims that these are not always applied to bigger racing operations and that he, he is a smaller racing operation and mm. he thinks that he's being treated unfairly by Tattersalls. Um, there was a article in The Sun about this and obviously there were some tweets firing around as well. He's sort of, it's been a long time that he's been, well, it's been a little while that I think you can notice he's not been that pleased with the sales company. But surely, um, well, I, I don't know the details underneath all of this about what's going on, but I mean, surely tassels have fees in place that apply to everyone. Well, no, I, would, I, I wouldn't think that at all. I, and I would think <laughs> that he has to, he has to realise this that a, a, a lot of businesses, like you talk to these corporate types, all they ever talk about is growth. I mean, malignant growth, any growth, they just love growth. And scale, <laughs> scale is massively important. To them. They're always banging up. And this guy's a, a, a huge football agent. So he's going to know that he has advantages in terms of his connections and his networks in terms of someone maybe to, to, to 
the tip in his hand to tell him such and such has become available. You might want to have a word with him. And then he's got the resources to go and wine and dine, said player. Of course, Tattersalls are going to look after their bigger consigners and their bigger customers who may have been with them for 20 or 30 years. And I mean, Tattersalls are in competition with other sales companies. So they have to look after the most important people. And again, I, I, I don't want to simplify it, but you man, there's no way he actually believes this as, as if he knows about scale. And if you buy a car, you pay a certain amount for a car. If you buy a hundred cars, you don't pay a hundred times the price of the one car. That's just not the way the world works. I mean, what is he buying on about? Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, so but I, he's I, not exactly a smaller operation himself, is he? Well, I mean, y- I yes, but he wouldn't have built up a relationship over twenty years, though. I mean, if he's still yeah, in the fair. game in in five years, I'd imagine there'd be sales companies courting him and saying, "Well, well, well, this is a thing." The, the, the one interesting thing, I, I, I think he, I think he knows exactly what he's doing here, and it's completely bogus. The one interesting thing, and I tried to look this up but I said, do I remember a couple of years ago there was some sort of a movement to make the sales ring more transparent because he did mention about people having a share in a horse and bidding that horse up now this goes on it should be said in like art uh, auctions uh, wherever there's big money there's going to be an, yeah. an, an, an element of corruption but do I, do I remember two or three years ago there was some sort of a yeah, movement the, to try and make sales yeah there was a blood, 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 stock, blood stock review yeah yeah it was probably yeah. by Lee Mottisbury the thing about this is though I mean I, I checked and the, Jack Keane from the Sun we should reference Jack and I, I spoke to him about, well, I direct messaged him on this as well. This ha- this appeared last Monday. I'm amazed over the next week. I haven't seen any follow-up in any other newspaper. I mean, he was making some big claims here. I mean, he was like, you know, this was kind of like on the record stuff, you know, to talking about discrimination and things like that. I mean, we all know he's a very, you know, colourful character and... Like to, I think there's no evidence, though, is there, Tony? Like, no, I know exactly, him. but but that's why that's why you follow. That's why journalists follow up these kind of things. You know, you're talking about discrimination, Kia. What are you talking about? I mean, he's a very colourful character, isn't he? I did a mm. Google for there. I mean, I saw a, a piece about Peter Scargill talking about Omni Horse and the cryptocurrency and where yeah. it disappeared to and stuff like that. I mean, it's yeah, he was making some pretty punchy claims in there, wasn't he? Uh, you know, and he's in dispute with tassels, whether or not credit or whatever has been given. But he was making, you know, when you talk about discrimination, uh, a big profile all, uh, all uh, against a big sales company, it's a big story. And it's just, I'm amazed it didn't get followed up. If it did, I missed it. Yeah, I suppose. So. I mean, yeah, maybe someone has followed it up, but if tassels. I'm going to talk. I don't know. Anyway, um, there might be more to come from that particular story. Uh, But that about wraps up proceedings from here on the Amalfi Coast team. I think we're done and dusted for Wade in this week. We'll be back later on later on the week, of course, with Racing Only Better. Uh, But for now, everyone, have a good week. I'm off to a wedding. Enjoy yourselves. And we'll be back later in the week. Thanks very much for watching and listening, guys. (laughs) 